Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us and we'll get into today's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to welcome Dr. Allison Von Rui, who is the Senior Advisor to the President for Strategic Planning and Initiatives at Vancouver Island University. Allison, how are you today? Great. Thank you for having me on. Well, my pleasure. I hope I got your title and your name accurately. I know, they're both really long. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm super happy to have you here. So just for our listeners, in terms of a little background, we saw that the Vancouver Island University, which is in our backyard, put out sort of, we'd like to get your feedback on our strategic plan. And I thought it'd be a really great opportunity to have Allison on the show to ask her like what it looks like from behind the curtain and then some sort of experience that she's had sort of what led her up to here. So with that, Allison, welcome. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and then we'll go into sort of the, what you're up to with the VIU plan right now. Great. Thank you. I'm a uh long-time planner in the federal government working on policy planning. You know, governments spend a lot of time thinking about what policies they should have and how those would actually work. And so the strategic planning in a public institution, like a federal government department, in lots of ways is similar to the kind of planning that goes on in other public sector institutions like universities. And so I've come to spend a couple of years at Vancouver Island University to help them with their brand new plan. VIU is a new university. It was starting in 2008, but it had been a community college since the 1930s and had really strong relationships with its community members, including First Nations community members in those many, many decades. But now as a university, it's thinking about planning in a different way. It's got a brand new president. Dr. Deb Saussier came on board last year with a whole bunch of ideas about where the university can go now. And so I'm helping them pull together their thoughts for this strategic plan. So there's some of the things that, that will be familiar to your listeners about strategic planning in a university setting, etc. But of course, our whole process happened under the pandemic. Our first public meeting happened two weeks before we had lockdown. So there's some kind of reflections about how we're doing this planning process that might be interesting to other people who might be in a similar boat. Perfect. So, I mean, I guess let's start at the top. What are some of the, you know, if we're reflecting back on what's fresh, what are some of those, those key learnings that you've taken away from here? And then after that, we can sort of look at the process that you've went from sort of the traditional to the sort of, we'll call it modern strategic planning. <laughs> well, one of the key parts that's always true is that most people hate strategic planning. <laughs> 
And unless you're, you know, a super type A nerd like me who really loves that way of thinking about what we ought to be doing next, you have to realize that most people hate it. And in the context of a world pandemic, people are overworked and tired. This is everywhere. This is not particular to our institution. I think this is true everywhere. People are anxious. They're overworked. They're tired. They're uncertain. In lots of ways, it's the worst possible time to do a strategic planning exercise. In other ways, though, it's the most important time to do it because people are making decisions anyway. They have to. And so that's the first kind of context point for going into (laughs) any kind of strategic planning process. People hate it. And under COVID, it's a very different kind of thing. Why do you think they hate it, just from your perspective? It takes a really long time. There are endless committees and meetings and drafting and redrafting and subcommittees and in a typical process. Uh, Big organizations, particularly in the public sector, that want to involve lots of people in shaping where we go next, they need to. The processes are always heavy. They generate a lot of work. And in my experience anyway, very often people are so exhausted by the end of it, they're happy to build a beautiful brochure that sits on a on a side table, and thank goodness we don't have to look at it again. So the, the only important part of strategic planning is actually the strategic doing <laughs> that follows. So we tend to waste all of our energy and creativity in generating the plan and then leave it to decorate our offices afterwards. So those things I think are always true, but there's a special extra hurdle in trying to do this in a circumstance where things are changing very rapidly, People are, are not in a mind frame to be thinking 10 years ahead, but they're actually doing that kind of decision-making anyway because they have to. Mm. So given that it's the best and worst time and given yes. that <laughs> people hate strategic planning, which I would typically see, I've had a lot of conversations this week where I'm trying to like lay out the process because the process is what makes the outcome and that they're just like, no, let's, let's, let's do it a different process. But how have you taken all of those things into consideration and how have you sort of done it differently and and what makes your strategic plan different this time around? Well, I think there's some things that are true for everybody and particularly true for universities. So one big piece is really to take seriously the whole user centered nature of the service we deliver universities provide services to students. Different kinds of students are university provides training for people who are trying to do adult education upgrading, get their high school degree with special programs for adults with developmental obstacles. You can do a master's program. You can do a mid-career professional certificate. So there's a huge range of, of services, but they're all for students. They're all for people who are trying to make a difference. So any kind of service delivery organization really has to start with the people that they're serving. So what what does a student-centered planning process, as well as, of course, planning outcome, what comes out of it, what are we going to do differently at the end? Another piece is really to be focused on results. What does better look like? Because there's a whole bunch of ways in which we can get there. But if you don't start with the end, you'll get lost. And you'll have more committees and more drafts and more kind of frustrating workshops and sticky note exercises. The whole point is to have a really clear idea about what the end is and to be a little bit agnostic about how you get there. So design thinking, I'm sure a lot of your listeners spend a lot of time thinking about how to apply design thinking principles to a planning process. You know, design thinking was originally developed to build 
more user-centered industrial design products, hearing aids, trash cans, bicycles, etc. But if you can take that same mindset, what does better look like from the perspective of the users, then you have a much better chance of getting there. Kind of a third piece that was really important, I think it's always important, and especially so in a pandemic, that it's a really positive experience. That not only that the process is positive, and that also has to be true, you know, this, these can't be painful, <laughs> painful conversations or workshops or engagements, but also positive in the sense that you're building on the organization's strengths. So we spent a lot of time thinking about appreciative inquiry as a way to have a conversation about where we need to go. It's both rewarding on a personal level, talking about the stuff that we do well, that I'm really proud of in my department, my division, stuff that we can do even better because we've had a great track record so far. So one, we all of us feel better when we're thinking about what we've been doing well, because we, one, <laughs> are proud of it, but also we know how to do it even better. Building on success is also a really practical way of moving forward. For any organization, there's always that 5% or whatever stuff of things we could never figure out that are longstanding problems we've been trying for years. But if you focus your strategic planning process on that 5% that's not working, that's been a longstanding irritant or what have you, one, you're unlikely to magically come up with a solution to that 5% problem but everybody's miserable and talking about it for the nine months or the year or however long you've set aside. And the kind of fourth bit that was really important is just to keep it simple, right? People are crazy busy. They got so much going on. Can we both in the process, in the plan, in the activities that we pursue afterwards, have it super simple, super visible, super transparent, easy to do? Not that it's not work to make change. You know, if the organization decides we really have to switch gears in a particular way, that's work to do, but you don't get let the process get in the way. So those are kind of the, the milestones or flag posts that we put ourselves in designing the process. Like, so how do you be student-centered? How do you be results-focused, start at the end? How do you be positive and how do you be simple in moving forward? Mm. Yeah, I think those are, I mean, really great guidelines without getting too far into the practical thing. But I think really recognizing that your organization, all organizations have customers and being focused on the end customer and being able to listen to them and then building from that place of strength. So you're preaching to the choir in that regard. I want to ask you about the phases that you went through, like the actual phases, because I know that right now you're sort of in that stakeholder engagement phase and then sort of the expected results. Before I do that, you've gone through this process of, of talking to people and you've gone through the process of listening to people and then you've given them another opportunity to contribute. So I'd like to focus now on specifically the stakeholder engagement, which is it's all stakeholder engagement, but like, let's say the external stakeholder engagement piece, why is it important? How are you approaching it? And what do you do when you have to sort of manage other people's expectations in oh. terms of what you should be doing versus what you're, like more or less going to do? Well, there's the phases. So the practical part, the part you see, see from outside. We had a conversation with, we figure about a thousand people in workshops and presentations and surveys and personal calls and emails, whatever. About a thousand people 
talk to us in this series of structured conversations between March and July about what's great about VIU and what are people's visions for the future. This isn't yet about the strategic plan. This was kind of an inventory of strength. Again, building that positive tone, both because it, it makes the process less painful, but also it's super practical. What are we really great at? Because you, you don't build a plan based on all the stuff you're not good at. So what are we great at? And when people describe their vision for the future, they are very clear in saying what better looks like. And that's the strategic question, right? Not everybody's going to have the same vision. But that process was important in part of stakeholder engagement. One, because it was super valuable, because we have a really good story about what people genuinely think and students first. There's, it's full of student testimonials. I report on those conversations full of testimonials about what's great about VIU. But also people had this really concrete notion about what better looks like. And we published the report. Here's all these conversations we had. Here's the things we heard from you. We asked people if it's okay if we use their very own words in the report. So that stakeholder engagement had multiple purposes. One, it gave us the backbone for the plan. Like the first draft we came. So this is what people think is great. This is where they think we need to go. Not all of them line up, but what was remarkable to me as an outsider, and in lots of ways, it's really fun to come into an organization to help with strategic planning because it's a great way to learn about a place. You talk to everybody and talk to them about what really matters to them was how incredibly consistent that vision was. It's an organization that's been in place since 1936. We have uh, employees who've been there 20 years or longer. People stay because they love the place. It's a great kind of environment to be in, but they also have a really good idea about where we needed to go. So we had this big report, all these conversations. So we tried to turn that into a plan. Given how that's great, what do we have to do next? The senior leadership in the organization read the plan. They heard what people had said. They said, well, should we do more of this, more of that, more of that, etc." We came up with a really short document. In, well, in university strategic plans, it's a very short. <laughs> if you take out the preamble and thanks and et cetera, it's about six pages. It says these things are important to us or why they're important to us. And here's what we think we need to do to do better. So there's about 18 promises in this draft that say, here are things we think we need to do to get to better. And, but then we gave it back to the community and we, we contacted, we're thinking 28,000, 30,000 people who are community members, who are donors, who are alumni, who are current students, who are employees, both teaching employees and non-teaching employees. No distinction. People who have a stake in VIU have also got a stake in its future. And we put all of that on an open plan. We used Othello, a Vancouver-based Canadian company, you know, thumbs up, go BC, go where not only can everybody like read the plan, but they can see what everybody else says about it. They vote, they say, I really like this, I really don't like that, here's how it could be better, what do you mean, are you crazy, I really like this, but I don't understand what you're talking about here, etc. for a whole month. And we let people know, you know, we've got another two weeks, we've got another week, we'll close up our consultations next week. So you not only listen to people at the beginning about what's important to them, you make sure that you got it, right? If they said this stuff's important to you, and at the end of the day, it's the president who is responsible to the board of governors for producing the plan, for following up on the plan. So at the end of the day, that's where the accountability lies. But any organization experts are the people who live and work and study there, right? They know what's most important. 
so I've been actually really excited, even in, and really pleased to hear the conversation online as people are beginning to talk to each other about what's important to them going forward. What will really matter, and again, this is something that I'm sure your listeners are deeply aware of, once we get a plan that the president likes, that the board likes, that we launch to guide our next five years, that's the easy part. It's the then doing <laughs> that matters. And if you don't do it and show that you're doing it and continue the conversation about doing it, people get miserable again, right? So the, the unhappy experiences that a lot of people have with strategic planning is not so much that they don't like the plan, but they don't like what doesn't happen <laughs> as a consequence. So you really have to begin a whole conversation like that with an eye on the doing that comes after. Yeah. Well, because what I find interesting, so there's a couple of themes, like it's a very emotional process. So we talked about like the, the feeling of it, what they like and they don't like and the charge. And then like, again, I mentioned the, the expectations and what people are bringing to the table in terms of what they want as in what is better. So it's, I have what's better. Somebody else has what's better. And then you have to choose which of those paths you go on considering that you're engaging with 30 something thousand people. It sounds like in terms of where you're building it, you're building it from a place of strength, which of course I would agree with. And the end result sounds net positive. But you also mentioned that people don't like strategic planning because in those conversations, they can be emotional. They can get heavy. They can be riddled oh. with history. But what I find, at least what I took from what you shared was that because the output is greater than the little blips of negativity, that the, like, the benefit is greater than those little blips in between because to get to that plan, to get to that promises, to get to that direction, to get to that hope, you can't get there without having those tough conversations that looking to say, hey, where do we want to go and where is that gap? Any sort of experiences you've had either with your internal team without blowing anybody's confidentiality, but any of those sort of tricky parts that you've had to, to maneuver in this process? Well, in this process, but also in any other process that I've been involved with, you know, either as a, a facilitator of a process or, or sometimes as a victim <laughs> of a process, a participant of a process, if you think it's an honest process that I was listened to, that other people who mattered was listened to, that I can see it all the way through, and at the end of the day, because in this case, the president and the board are accountable, we can do A or B. We can't do A and B. You know, somebody will, will make that choice. But if I think that process is legitimate and they don't pick what I want to have happen, I'm okay with that. I mean, this, you know, you can make analogies with electoral processes, right? We regularly vote for people who, who don't at the end of the day get elected, but we have a lot of confidence in the system that has generated a series of votes that has decided, okay, well, that particular candidate got the seat and it wasn't the one I voted for. I'm completely okay with that. Hmm. As long as I know that the process was legitimate. And I think that's true for planning processes. People are also actually really happy to know that there's movement. So, if we get stuck and we don't make a decision and we continue to tread water, that is really debilitating too. Because at the end of the day, I think most people say we actually do have to do A or B, but please don't let us stay in this conversation about A or B forever because then we're doing neither. So that's one of the reasons why having an open and transparent 
and inclusive conversation really matters. It doesn't mean that we don't have disagreements. And of course, a strategic plan is not a consensus document, but it would be a really stupid document if it didn't build on the wisdom and the strengths of the people who work and who study at your institution. It would lose that incredibly highly valuable expertise. But if people are going to be happy with living with a decision that they don't like personally, the process has got to be open, clear, transparent, and it has to have impact. I'm hoping that in the course of this process, we've had conversations that have felt honest and open and transparent so that as we continue on to do the things that have to come next, strategic plan is very high level. If we continue on with, say, the 18 commitments that are currently in there, we have to figure out how to make them happy, where they're going to sit, who's going to be responsible, how they're going to be implemented, etc., like in any organization. But you want to keep that feeling an experience of positive, open, transparent, and meaningful conversation to continue through. So, so far, I'm feeling really good about it and really delighted that so many people have weighed in. We've tried not to add work. There are not 5 million committees and 50,000 processes. People can weigh in by sending me a, you know, a two-word email, or they can spend half hour on the website, or I had workshops that lasted for hours. So we also tried to design the outreach activities to fit the degree of engagement that people were prepared to make. So there's a couple of things. So really, really awesome. I appreciate you giving insight to that. So a couple of things that I heard there, you know, you use the word process a lot of times. We use it all the time or process, depending on where you are in the world, process or process. It is the process, but it's also the expectation of a process that the alignment or consensus on this is how it's going to go. Here are the touch points. Here are the opportunities for me. And that it's like grounding that there is a flow or some sort of expectation from which you can go through. Even if you don't necessarily, like you said, like the result, you can be satisfied with the process that led to the result. And then you can ultimately buy in where we find with some organizations, big and small, is that when there's not an agreement on process in the front end or it's done ad hoc, that's when you get frustrated because the rules are changing, the game is changing, and it doesn't allow people to do that. If you're listening from a smaller organization than a university, you know, there's definitely a lot of great wisdom there that Allison's sharing in terms of how you're engaging. So, Allison, how many people do you think that you said when engaging broadly, like throughout the province and beyond? I can't remember what the number was. Our university has, has 14,000 students and a couple thousand employees. We contacted all of them yeah. and contacted everybody who knew anybody who knew anybody who had anything to do with the university. And then the number of people who've actually then having heard about it said, well, I want to weigh in. We've had about, I think about, we'll have about 1,500 people who then wanted to weigh in on this version of the draft, which is actually a for, for people who regularly do surveys, that's that's a good response rate from our perspective. You know, usually if you get a couple of percentage of people who respond to an email, what have you, to come and participate. So we're really pleased with that. And those 1,500 people or so are having really interesting conversations about what we do, what we ought to be doing next. But being really broad about inviting people to participate if they want to. Hmm. Don't force it. People are busy. They've got lots on their plate, especially now at this time in the world. Open, transparent, welcoming, simple. It helps us move us along. 
Yeah. Well, what you should is if they want to. So it's like the, the A or B choice is that you either don't give them an opportunity or you do give them if they want opportunity if they want. If they don't want to contribute, at least you've given them the opportunity. And what I wanted to highlight is an organization like yours with size and scope could get tens of thousand people that contribute, like net, internal, external. And that from your organization's perspective, it's smaller, you probably have a fraction of that. But to oh, consider... Yeah consider the depth and breadth of potential stakeholders that are invested in what you do and that care enough, not from a place, and I believe, not from a place of like judgment or trying to tell you you're doing a bad job, genuinely because they would appreciate an opportunity to make a contribution to you and to support not just the creation of the plan, but the actual outcome of the plan to get to that better. Because that's why they're a stakeholder. They hold stake in what you do. Everybody has something invested in that better. And that's why they're taking the time, not just because they've got nothing else to do. Alison, as we, and I know we could probably talk for hours about this, as we wrap up here, you talked about your 18 commitments. So we talked about the beginning, the phases that we started. What's next for this plan? What, you know, we don't need to go into the granular pieces, but how are you going to govern the plan 30,000 feet? What are people expecting in terms of, you know, some accountability or at least like an execution lens on these 18 commitments and, and mobilizing the execution of the plan? And that's the most important part. That's the strategic doing, right, that follows on the planning. If you don't do it, you it would have been better not to have started the process, right? Because it it's a drain on time and energy and goodwill if you don't follow through. So there's some key elements to it. So in a university setting, normally what happens is our governance process, it goes through committees in our Senate and then through the board before it's approved. That's the way our accountability system. But once it goes through those steps, it will take a few months for us. All things have to live somewhere. So there has to be somebody who's responsible for taking it to the next step. In our university, a lot of universities, that next level under strategic plan, sometimes they're called foundation plans. Those are the really key pieces of our, of our business, you know, quote unquote business in the university. There's an academic plan, a research plan, a student affairs plan, et cetera. All universities have that similar thing. So these are the keystone pieces that already exist and their people are responsible for it. You have to show that whatever you agreed to in your strategic plan lives somewhere and that there's somebody responsible for it. But you also have to build in a system, and it can be incredibly light, but one that regularly shows to everybody who wants to see <laughs> what you've done and where you're at. And you need some kind of measuring system. A lot of universities use scorecards. So our president has made a commitment to have a scorecard that says, okay, we went out to you. We decided we we're going to do this plan. Anytime you like, you can come and see where we're at on our scorecard in meeting our, our commitments. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do it, but the key element is, again, you're open and you're transparent and you have measurements in place. That's another area in which design thinking, I think helps a lot of people get their head around because a big part of it is defining what is the problem and how you would know if you had solved it, right? So everybody being happier is not a really great problem statement. You have to think about describing it in a way so that you have meaningful metrics to show you are getting to better. 
and that you make those transparent. Now, of course, any university, any organization has got a thousand data points that they're measuring and following all the time. In universities, it's enrollment, recruitment, retention, hiring, student affairs, residents, thousands of pieces. But there's some key ones that show, or you need to develop to show, that you're making progress toward better. And those have to be transparent. So that's the next big thing on our plate. Moving to making those commitments, find a place for them to live in the existing organization. You don't add new institutions, new groups, new committees, new structures, new responsibility centers. You find a place where it lives in the organization and a way of continuing to share information with everybody who has the least bit of interest that you're making progress toward better. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I think it's Again, even if you're not in an education system and structure, being really clear of knowing, like, how will you actually know if you've solved it? And then creating a scorecard to be able to reflect back. And I really like that you, you've made it and will make it open for people to view, to have that accountability. Because one of the other places that plans falter, and the reason that it's so easy to leave a document on a desk is because if nobody takes the time or there's no process built in for accountability, why would you have accountability? You just don't need it. So it's it needs to be a must have versus a nice to have. So big or small, take that process, build a system, engage with people, user-centered, focus on results, have it be a positive experience, and keep it simple. So uh, thank you, Allison, for all of those uh, call it words of wisdom. It's not really words of wisdom. It's just what you're doing, and, and, and but they are very wise. So where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about VIU's plan? Fabulous. So just go to viu.ca and stick strategic planning into the search bar. You can find me. You can learn more about our plan and our process. So we put up on our website all the steps that we're taking, all the meetings, processes, uh, design thinking tips, appreciative inquiry, and would be delighted to talk with your people more. Thanks so much. It's been fun. Fantastic. Awesome. We'll include that in the show description, Allison. Thank you. So my guest today is Dr. Allison Von Rui, who is the Senior Advisor to the President for Strategic Planning and Strategic Initiatives at Vancouver Island University. Allison, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Good day. If you know somebody who's in the process of creating their strategic plan and they want to keep it simple, but they want to make sure everybody's moving forward, either picking A or B, not both or not treading water, be sure to send them this podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and rate us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. 
So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.